So you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID-19 PPC. And I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used. And um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free. And they have so many tools here like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC or your computer. And then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum, with no minimum listenership. And it's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're new to podcasting and you're interested in um, getting started, I recommend Anchor.fm. So what you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started um, that's my recommendation. And, um, you know, after almost a year of podcasting, I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently. It just makes things so much easier. And, uh, yeah, come check out anchor.fm. Welcome to COVID-19, Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno, presenting information from various sources about the COVID-19 pandemic from public health policy and cultural perspectives. We will be sharing international accounts from policy, public health response, and even personal experiences firsthand about living in this era of COVID-19. Public Health Policy and Culture, I'm Dr. April Moreno, and we're in month 13 since the shutdown of 2020 in March when things started to happen here in the United States and we had our first national shutdown. And the good news is that we do have the vaccine available in the United States. A good 30% or so, at least, of the country has been partially vaccinated at this time. Could be more, but it's around there. Uh, It's pretty much available here in the United States. And in another episode upcoming, we talked to someone in our neighbors to the north, and it's not quite the same. And likewise, what's going on in India is not the same at all either. So we need to get vaccine equity out there across the world if we're going to get this pandemic also under control for all of us because the virus doesn't care about national borders. So that's what we're going through at the moment. And the other conversation that is kind of leading to the episode today on PPE is about what you're supposed to do now if you're vaccinated. If you're one of the few people in the world who is vaccinated, relatively speaking, few people in the world, what are we able to do now? In many cases, individuals are feeling free to travel again, but what is the consequence of traveling in other countries where the pandemic is under uh, less control? or in a situation where someone is immunocompromised, we are finding out that in many cases, the immunocompromised and non-disease-modifying medications may actually be more protected than others because some of these immune-modifying drugs are some of the medications that are being used to treat COVID. So this is a very interesting turn of information that I recently found after speaking with my specialist that we might actually be more protected because we're under these medications and our immune system is not going to do any sort of irregularities 
uh, as much as someone else in a normal health situation when it comes to the immune system. And then also there's this talk about the carriers of variants or mutations, whatever you want to call them. Variants are also of a concern, especially those who might be able to carry those variants. That's a huge concern as well. So I like to make sure I protect myself and others as if the pandemic, as if the vaccine didn't quite yet exist still, because we do need to continue to take these special efforts because we don't have enough information and those variants are continuing to spread. So I'm one of those few people in the public health space who are extra cautious and open to the information of what we know that we don't know. I think we know what we don't know in many cases. And there's also a bit of what we don't know that we don't know that we're not talking about. Keeping that in mind, I'm sure to continue to wear a mask, even when I'm outdoors, to continue to wear a mask when I'm traveling and still distancing away from people, whether or not they're vaccinated. That's just me. I like to make sure that what I'm doing is continuing to be safe as an immunocompromised person. So in this conversation today, we're speaking to Melissa Talwar. She is the founder of Support Fibro, a nonprofit organization dedicated to fibromyalgia, which is one of our adjacent conditions in the autoimmune community. Many of us living with autoimmune diseases also experience fibromyalgia as a common health concern. And it's still debatable out there whether or not it's considered an autoimmune disease. It is similar, though. It is adjacent in many cases because we do find that one with autoimmunity does often have fibromyalgia in many cases like lupus, for example. So today we're going to be speaking in a fun conversation about our favorite PPE. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Melissa and I are some of the very few people who are super cautious and super interested in the various types of masks that are out there. And so we share some of our favorite brands and some of the face shields and some of the other technologies that were out there from the beginning of the pandemic until the present moment. So I hope you enjoy this episode with us. And autoimmune conditions continue to be an emerging issue around the world and in the United States, for example. And the Autoimmune Community Institute has been here since last year to help and serve the autoimmune community through community-based participatory research and through community outreach. We are also beginning our first autoimmune community clinic, the first of its kind that we know of in the United States. Please consider a donation to acicommunity.org as we begin the rollout of our community clinics both virtually and in person in Southern California. We'll be expanding that outward into the future at other in other states, but for now we are virtual this summer and also in Southern California. Please support our efforts and technology needs and also our clinical healthcare needs at acicommunity.org. Melissa Talwar is the leader of the Support Fibromyalgia nonprofit. She's a wonderful friend and partner in the autoimmune and related diseases community, chronic illness community. Today we're going to be talking about PPE, some of our favorite. I think we're going to we're going to geek out on this today, guys. We're going to share some of our favorite gear, right? So Melissa, please introduce yourself. Hi everyone. I'm Melissa Talwar, um, the executive director of the Support Fibromyalgia Network. 
Okay, well, I'm happy to be here. So, I mean, our organization focuses on patient education, medical education, advocacy, which we have a virtual advocacy day coming up in May. And then definitely looking forward to collaborating with April Moore on the research side. We met because we were both part of the chronic illness community. Uh, if you're in Southern California or online, we're doing some online health fairs coming this summer. So uh, looking forward to partnering and working to build infrastructure for autoimmune and related conditions support. Today, we're here to talk about COVID-19 and how basically how we've been managing this over the past year and a quarter. How have you been doing with all this pandemic stuff? Um, you know, it's been complicated with it. When this first started, just because of my you know, my experience with fibromyalgia and I have this inflammatory, so I'm in between autoimmune conditions, nothing fully diagnosed, but I definitely have this severe inflammation reaction to things. Like if I get bitten by a spider or, you know, mosquito, it just always flares up. And I'd always been kind of sickly when I was younger. So even getting the flus, I would end up in the hospital. So when this came around, I was not sure what to do. So I just knew that I had to prepare and kind of protect myself as much as I can. So that's what we've been doing over here and what that entails. So I dove into learning about all the PPE cleaning agents because we were running out of supplies in the beginning, right? You couldn't find it or they're being sold at really high prices. I feel better now that I understand and even looking at the data, what to expect. But initially it was just, I had no idea what to do. Yeah, it's so nice to know that we're turning the corner in terms of understanding this um, pandemic, this virus, how it works, what to do, what definitely not to do, what all the gray areas are and all the unclear stuff is looking like. Um, we're clear on what's unclear, at least, you know, I think. Good to know that we're getting the vaccines now, too. But then at the same time, when you get the vaccine, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can be free of all this stuff that we have to wear. How's it been going with the vaccine experience for you? Well, I just got the J&J &J shot on Tuesday. It was definitely a hunt. Again, just because I wasn't sure the two dosage, my whole family had the two dosage. So we had a mix around me with Pfizer and Moderna. So we we're kind of comparing notes. We we're talking to our other family members and comparing notes especially with the second dose, that seems to be a doozy for a lot of people. So I was hesitant on having two times to go and not knowing what my body would do. So I was fortunate to find uh, the J&J. &J. It was my first time being outside with that many people. It was a Megapod site walk up. It was cold. I was surrounded by a lot of people. So it definitely was a new experience. It, it wasn't necessarily how I wanted to be welcomed into the world again, but it, it's one and done. So went through the process, um, definitely had some effects of pain increase, especially on Tuesday night. Boy, did I feel it. Yeah, same here. So I was able to get an appointment. Um, I was there, although I was like, does everybody have an appointment at 8.40 a.m.? It was a long line, and it, but they just... Um, I did the Pfizer, just got it done a couple weeks ago. And I mean, I wanted to get it done sooner, being part of like the public health community, but I couldn't because of my medications that I'm on, disease-modifying drugs. I had to wait. Um, it was recommended three months after my last infusion. So I only just got it. Actually, literally a month ago was my first dose of Pfizer. And it's, it was fun. I got it done at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. Yeah, like you mentioned, I got the first appointment of the day, but then it was um, super crowded still. But it flowed pretty quickly. 
And uh, we went through like the horse barn to get our vaccine. And then on the way out, you get kettle corn. You can buy kettle corn. They had one of the stands there. Oh, wow. I needed that. They didn't have any of that. I mean, one thing that I wish I would have asked about, which I didn't know till after the fact was sort of assisted disability services for those of us that maybe have need some mobility help. So I didn't even realize at this location, like if you need that, you could always wait in a separate parking lot and they would actually, because they don't want a lot of people doing it. But my mom was fortunate enough because I mean, she has a placard too. So she showed it and then, but they're like, oh, where are, do you need the shot? And she's like, no, 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 my daughter. It's like, but I had already left to get in line. So they're like, oh no, we would have just given her the shot in the car. Mm -hmm. So these are things like we don't know, you know, going into it because they don't talk about it a lot. Ours was interesting. It was like a drive-through, but I was the passenger and I wanted it definitely on the left side, which yeah, I drove up, of course, kicked my foot in the chair adjuster on the way out but um as I stood up but I'm glad to hear that you know it's good to know what we don't know so I'm, I'm glad to hear that there are adaptations and modifications for the disabled community um, which I'm also part of yeah keep an eye out for that and ask about that when you're in line um, getting your vaccine you don't advertise it on the website just ask someone that's working there the day of because they'll have they have to have special areas I don't think they'll advertise it again because maybe they just don't want an influx because the parking lot was really small. It was all street parking. So, you know, definitely if you need some assistance like that, please ask someone in that, even if they're attending the parking lot with the cones, just ask, make sure to ask and they'll let you in. Everybody was super nice. So that was good. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'm glad it was a good experience. Even though it's like the long line, you still get out pretty quickly, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, it's, I haven't been around that many people in over a year. So. Yeah, it was a lot of people. Was it painful? My first guy like hurt my arm. Like he, he, was, he didn't do a good job. But the second one, she did a really good job. How was your, your injection? Oh, the guy did amazing. I barely even felt it going in. Obviously, I had the arm pain afterwards, but... I think they worked with USC. So these were even like medical students that were there. It, I didn't even feel. Just depends on who you get, right? It's just like when you get your blood taken. Some some people are amazing at it. You're like, I can feel that. And others are like, ah! Or yeah, you end up with a big bruise afterwards. You're yeah, like, oh. right? Oh my gosh. I remember the time I was getting a blood test and it was right around the time they were diagnosing me with my scary autoimmune condition. I was just still in shock. I scared the tester, the the nurse who was doing my blood test. I I don't know if she's a nurse or whatever they're called, a technician. And um, I was so freaked out. I freaked her out and she dropped the needle because she was so like shaken by what I was telling her. I was getting diagnosed and I'm like so disturbed and she got disturbed. Oh no. Don't stress out your technician. When we don't know what this pandemic looked like, We didn't know the extent of the spread, the characteristics of the spread. Let's talk about some of our favorite protective gear. I mean, considering the fact that this is probably not our first pandemic, our only pandemic, how do we prepare for the next pandemic? Let's let's share some of our things that like super protective gear. Well, and it's interesting too, because what I had to do since we had other members in the family, like it's like we were looking for protective gear that protected us, but also fit our face well and was comfortable enough. I know I have family members I wanted to be comfortable, but we all had different faces. So I was challenged, not everything fit. And I have a smaller face almost like that would fit a child's mask. So it was really tricky. 
Awesome. I have stuff for you then because we, we got some child sizes stuff. Well, okay. So I know some of us had already had some masks on hand. Like I had cloth masks and those things could add allergies. Someone had told me about Vogue masks, but I never had made a purchase. So if you were lucky to have that, even though those have the valves though, I think they recently changed. Yeah. So it was like the hunt for how to protect yourself. And some of them were like so thin. So I guess I, I just started digging into different companies and finding stuff. So it was really, it was really an interesting experience. Right. Yeah. I remember when the Vogue masks totally sold out, like I had never had one before and I was like, darn, now that I really like to have one, they're totally gone. And yeah, we didn't know the difference at the time early on, like the valve, the difference between having a valve and not having a valve. Some people were saying, you know, you can breathe better with the valve, but then, you know, it just took some time to understand that the valve actually doesn't protect other people. It protects you, but not other people. So what can we do to protect on both sides, you know, ourselves and others? And so they have masks now available, I think, on their site. And so that's pretty cool. And they also have them without the valve now. We, we noticed, too, how many people were manufacturing overseas because that got shut down. So yeah. I was really searching for people. And I know everyone was making homemade masks and all of that production with filters. You could add coffee filters or whatever they were mm -hmm. adding in the middle. So mm -hmm. it was quite an experience. At least we came together as a community. That was helpful. Yeah, it was almost like a, a wartime effort, right? People are making homemade masks and being willing to give them away to the community. That was that was a, a moment for sure. And then not even knowing whether they really protected or not. Um, I mean, it's better than nothing, right? But I know I was watching some of the prepper videos and I came across a US based company. And I don't know how you want to start sharing, but like, yeah, um, go for it. This was one of them, this ready mask. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a full face and they have a half mask, but it's like a sticky mask. So they were US based. They were already approved by the CDC for N95 and they had been around for a while. So there was an urban prepper. He did a video and he, he challenged his son. So this is the half mask feature. Wow. And it, it, it's sticky. So it doesn't move and it'll fit and then they have the face shield part. So I was like, oh, I got to try this. So that was like a relief because they had them in stock. Wow. I haven't heard of that. Ready mask? Yes. Oh, I'm going to write that down. These are going to go in our show notes. And they were already approved. Like they had been registered with the CDC as approved from the, as like an N95 grade mask. Wow. I wish I had known about that, but that's okay. Cause my neighbors work for the paint company, one of the paint companies out there. And so they're not particularly concerned about the pandemic for whatever reasons they kindly just gave us a bunch of like if i really wanted to go all in they gave me the coveralls i can put this on and go anywhere like this reminds me of et right did you watch et yeah yes i could put this on and be protected from anything i haven't tried it on but that's available maybe for the next pandemic if we don't know like what happens with surfaces or clothing and then also the other thing I did was I got myself some lab goggles. Unfortunately, they they say they're not supposed to fog up, but they totally fog up. These remind me of when I was back in chem lab, you know, those chem lab days. Where you get that goggle mark on your face yeah, when you wear them too long. Marks on the face. Um, unfortunately, they do fog up. I, I wore them into the supermarket a couple of times and I just didn't enjoy it. 
Yeah, I, I took him to my first doctor appointment back in like when I had to go show up early on. And I walked in with, I mean, I, I thought about those suits because I had some actually, because the joke in my family is since I, I do vegetable gardening, but sometimes when there are bees or a lot, I was getting bitten a lot. I joked, I went out to the vegetable garden with the hazmat suit on. So luckily I already had little pieces just because <laughs> of life. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I should approach the grocery store. Although I did actually buy a suit. It's funny because it actually is hanging. I think I have a picture I share with Christine um, mm-hmm. and Estella and them. It was one of those uh, that you do fishing with. Uh-huh. So oh, it's yeah. like waterproof, but cool. I was all blue and that's how I was going to the supermarket with. <laughs> Whatever works, man. Whatever makes you feel safe, you know, because back at that time, at the beginning, we had no idea of the extent of what, how it was going to spread. You know, like people would throw all their clothes in the laundry immediately at the end of the day, which I admit sometimes I still do after I've been at the doctor's office. And then thankfully, like our neighbor who works in paint, had some N95s that he gave us. And if you ever like need to go into a, a clinical setting, you know, pinch the nose so it's on pretty snugly. I mean, even here, I still got some air down here. There are different sizes of these things and you have to make sure it's like a perfect, perfect fit if you work in like a clinical setting. So there's that. And then we went into like the double masks for, um, we're actually, we're kind of still doing that. I guess the other thing we can talk about I was double masking before it was in style good for you well I was I, I was trying to think of ways because it was such a horrible experience right when you go to the grocery store so you know I actually would maybe wear the one of the masks but then with more of the protective like the can 95 or an n95 that I had but I would add something on top like uh, I love coffee but just like, or I had some with smiley faces. These are a little bit thinner. So I didn't feel comfortable wearing this alone when I was going indoors. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me, so I had like, I love pizza or something funny, a yeah. poop emoji. Yeah, just, just so to, people could like smile a little bit. That's nice. Yeah, just to lift the mood a little out there. I like that. And so then like KN95s, and this is our favorite um, in our house, um, the Pow Ecom. This is our number one KN95 favorite brand. I think I have one. I have that one. I went all out because I'm trying to protect my family because I have two parents that are I have two parents that are pretty vulnerable. Yeah, so. there they are. Yeah, same ones. They're- my parents, I'm like, you're gonna be fully geared up. Yeah. Just having a public health background, I'm just very extra cautious about just keeping up with the news and the way that it was spread and knowing that it is aerosol based. And, you know, we saw studies where like through air vents in hotels and banquet areas and meeting spaces that it was getting spread that way. It was just like, whoa, we have to be extra careful. The other one that we have is, this is called the KF94. Different countries, they've done different styles. So this is an equivalent to a KN95, the KF94. So this one's from Korea. I like this one a lot and it's a really nice uh, design. It starts out like this. It's kind of rectangular at the front, just all the way across. And then you just kind of unfold the top and the bottom, a mouth or nose and chin, right? So then that goes across here. I actually tied knots on it to make it a little tighter behind the ears. But um, I like this one a lot too, but it seems like it's harder to hear people talking with the KF94s. 
it just kind of blocks the mouth a little more but I, I like the design personally I mean I wish we were talking earlier on because when we we're trying to find stuff I mean I really geeked out with some of this stuff uh, I was watching other countries uh -huh. like youtubers in other countries so I mean I was able to pick up these things so this one has like a fan system on it oh I wow tested it out but I don't know if it works well and I can't read the writing it's in a different language. Wait, let me see it. Can I see the writing? Um, it's in Chinese, I think. I can't read too much Chinese. I can read little bits of Japanese. I mean, I was watching a YouTuber from Japan and they were sharing all these new innovations in masks and how it has a fan to keep your face cool. And he had even those things that you would slip under or the mask to so your makeup doesn't get messed up or give you more room yeah and then I went all the way too like there was an air filter company that yeah. had this like so cool um I haven't tested it out because I was like how do I try it I'll be walking around and sounding like Darth Vader or something I'm like that is so it's like cool. something from Star Wars so I think that's awesome so basically it kind of puts some air in there so that you're not wow and it's like what solar powered yeah, and it has that battery wow. pack and it has a filter system. So I guess this, this is a company that builds filter filter systems for um, buildings. What are, What's your favorite mask? You know, I've still been playing around with that. This stuff, I've been trying to find comfortable things. Like I found the company Debrief. So that was more of the cloth, but you could insert a filter. So that was good. Or recently I've been trying the Tommy Copper. Okay. As well for like cloth, like we switch it up. So I'll use the ready mask, the sticky mask, if I'm going into something where I'm doing a lot more movement, if it's a doctor's appointment, but then like when we're out, like going for walks or those things where we need to like pull it up, then it's been more of the cloth type mask. Like I did like Tommy Copper's fit and how it feels. It's a little bit cooler. we got a couple here. This one's really nice. It's the wear mask, uh, W-A-Y-R-E. It's really nice. It's, it's kind of one size only and it's pretty big. You have to tie the knots yourself on the back. So they just give it to you, the loose strings on the back. Yeah, and then you just tie it. So these are really comfy. And then the other one that we got was the halo mask. And this one's really nice too. It has like a filter you have to put in. You know, that's an extra step, but it's this one's pretty comfy for like going out on walk. Looking for stuff that won't knock my glasses off because I've been noticing like they just make the glasses looser. So they um, actually, I stopped wearing my regular glasses because they kept falling down my face and actually they don't have a really good hook and they were completely keep falling off. So these are actually stoggles. So these were like a crowdfunded project. They're called stoggles and basically they're designed to help reduce the droplets or the aerosols from getting into the eyes. So, I mean, you know, you still have the oh, gap. Oh, wow, I should look into that. Yeah, they got all these really fun colors too. So, you know, this is kind of what we've been wearing when we go into the stores, but I got mine with prescription in them. It's just really nice to not have to worry about here. I mean, they're not as great as literally goggles because you still have this part here that's still open. It's it's something. Right, I mean, that's why I even added like a face shield with the thing just to keep my glasses up against my face because it was kind of annoying. It was like coming down and, you know, if you're bending over, Right. Um, different. I'm just glad that they're making things more available. It was nice to see reliable brands at places like Costco now that is more affordable and they even have their cloth mask. It's a little bit big for my face, but they have theirs. My, some of my family members like that one, but they have the face shields available, the surgical masks. I think they 
I have some KN95s too. And this, like the, I got my traditional face shield too. This one came from um, Kitsbo, K-I-T-S-B-O-W. I think they're like a bicycle gear company, but they were selling this stuff early on and in huge bulk. You had to buy like a pack of 10, a hundred bucks or something, but really early days. So we just felt like we had to do it. So those are good. I wear those face shields, but they do fog up when I'm at the supermarket. Yeah, I don't do it so much anymore. There was one more that I wanted to mention. Oh, and I did for fun, just the heck of it, got one of those cloth masks that has the hole so you can fit a straw in. Just for fun. I mean, I was laughing. I haven't used it yet. I have not, but you can see, I guess the straw would fit in here. I don't know. I was trying to think of ways that, you know, my family can still go out and meet with people, but not feel so restricted or still have stuff and not touch because it's hard I'm like always telling my family don't touch your face like don't touch the front of your mask like take it off on those like things and stuff like that so it's yeah I mean whatever works the straw mask what are what are your thoughts on the restaurants and stuff do you feel like you go in there and, and have a meal kind of I know my boyfriend just did the dining on the patio for the first time but we've just been trying to get everything curbside pickup or delivery we've been doing that for over a year now so that's how we've been just applying it yeah same here sometimes i go out to get some food like there's a local japanese place that has really nice lunch meals i went there it was pretty empty outdoors and i thought about it but then we're like no no we've been doing just a lot of deliveries and things like that for now but again it was good that you know, my boyfriend for the first time, he just went to go eat with his son and they did outdoor dining. So he said it was weird because, I mean, you're not used to, you don't know what to think, but he was, this is the first time for him. So that was good. At least he got to experience that. So I know with hand sanitizers and stuff, but you're still having to use the tube. I never got one of the bracelets. I think at one time someone was coming up with a bracelet that like spit out hand sanitizer. So when you're out, that's awesome. That's such a good idea. Why don't people have that? It's know, a lot of hassle, so you know. You're carrying a bottle, or there's always right like going into your purse. Like, you in your hand, right? Getting everything into, in, getting all your dirty hand into your purse. Trying to find the hand sanitizer. Now you're trying to open the hand sanitizer, and then you're finally using it. Now you gotta like sanitize the bottle, sanitize everything that's inside the bag. <laughs> so it's a thing, right? It's a process. So I love that idea of a bracelet. Someone had, no was trying to prototype it, I heard at one point. I don't know if they ever got it through, but it was just stuff like that. And, you know, what can we utilize so when we're out and about that it's quick? I mean, have they put some dispensing machines out and about, like for hand sanitizing or just washing? Yeah, they have those occasional dispensers at different spots. Yeah, but sometimes they're hard to find. But I don't know. I even, like, wipe down my drinks, things when I get out of the store. I wipe down my packaging. and. Well, I mean, I still do that stuff. I that that stuff like a lot of some of these things were things that I already did before, especially with washing hands and those things, just for not touching my face. I mean, having been getting sick for so long, I already had taught myself to don't touch your face when you travel and all these things to try to prevent getting sick anyway. But you know, disinfecting some of the stuff, especially like with before I ate. So I think it was. I was already comfortable a little bit more with the transition, but now it's going back into this world. Like, how do we like adjust and add those in? And that's the thing, right? We have variants, variants of concern, they call them, all these different things that we're still navigating. 
Currently, we're still preparing for another wave, as we've seen pretty much whatever Europe experiences, we tend to experience a few months down the line. Uh, so that's kind of a concern. Um, so, um, I mean, we have definitely more vaccines than a lot of countries do. I mean, you know, I'm grateful that I've been able to get vaccinated and a lot of people in other countries are still, you know, working on that, you know. Um, so we'll see how that works in relation to the variants and, you know, the waves of things happening. We'll see, we have yet to find out. I know it's interesting when you talk about variants and stuff. I think my family gets tired of me bringing it up, but it's, it's interesting when they talk of just the science of what's going on, or there's been a few conversations about breakthrough cases. I think in Florida, someone was talking about that where they've already been vaccinated, but they still get it. And so it's just understanding what all this information means and what's happening. So, but it, it's hard sometimes to have those conversations with their family because they're like, I'm not a Debbie Downer. I just want to talk about science. So, yeah, I totally get it. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, important moment in our history of the world. I mean, the whole world is impacted by this and it's something, you know, just to, you know, keep track of, but yeah, people have different reactions to that. Like um, I had a therapist who told me I was living in fear uh, because I was protecting myself. And I was like, no, number one, I'm immunocompromised. Number two, I love public health. Um, to me, this is not fear. This is vigilance, awareness, and a learning opportunity. Um, how can we make things better for the next pandemic so that we don't have 500,000 dead people, you know, so like, you know, I don't see it in terms of living in fear. I mean, this is just something that's, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting moment in our human history. <laughs> right. Oh, I agree oh, so I much. So and I mean, it's, 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 how do you find that balance? I think it's that risk that we didn't want to get sick. And because we didn't know what that looked like being immune compromised. So what are the steps that we need? And we didn't really have like, what's too much, what's not enough. So we kind of had to gauge it for our own benefit and protecting the people we love as well. Kind of had to gauge it for our own benefit and protecting the people we love as well. Yeah, definitely. So just you know, being vigilant, keeping an eye out. Someone's got to do it. Um, so thank you for you know being one of the people who are kind of in that little you know in the forest, the little tower, the little fire tower, being in that fire tower for people and. Um, you know, I mean, my family will tell you, I was walking, I was putting the bucket of soap for like the drinks because we didn't, you know, so my the craft beer was going in the, the bucket of soap before anyone drank for if my boyfriend had a show. I was like, nope, so I was like washing it in like the middle of the living room at one point. So, yeah, thank you for everything you're doing out there uh, in fibro, in the fibro community, in fibro land. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to partnering with you more through, you know, the sisterhood and through the nonprofit. I think we've got some really fun times ahead, uh, but I look forward to continuing to work with you. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing all this information with us today, all the favorite masks. And I mean, you've got some stuff, you took, you have another level there. You've got some really good technology things to share with us about the different ways to protect ourselves with the, the ventilation, the solar powered stuff. That was pretty cool.
So I kind of was testing them, but I want to test out the fan system because I think we should maybe advance like some of these other countries who have added a little bit of an upgrade to the mask if possible. I mean, this wasn't that expensive. It was, it was $23. So I want to test it, the little motorized cooling system. Um, I don't know how it works, so I'm going to have to look into it. Mm -hmm. um, find someone that can help me translate the directions too. So yeah, and then there, there is a thing like the mask, mask me or whatever. So I know my husband broke out with a big old zit on his cheek. Yeah, I mean, I think we need these new technologies. Yeah, I mean, it was great to see a YouTube influencers from other countries to see what was coming out. So I, I definitely think that we should see. I've seen some interesting ones too, or the I, one I didn't get was the O2 mask. I think it was made in Canada. I saw someone in the US and it, like she said it was really comfortable filtration. I forgot to bring out to the GIR, GIR. It's like a silicone mask. So you can put it in the dishwasher. Ooh. It has a filter in the front that's sticky. I struggled with the first version, but I know they came out with a second version, which I didn't get, but you can wash it with soap or you can throw it in the dishwasher. They make cooking utensils. So they created a mask system for that. Wow. That's awesome. I love this. I love all the new technologies that are coming out and I think they should keep going. I mean, this, this won't be our first pan, our only pandemic. So well, let's get more comfortable too with some of these masks. Cause I see people is like falling down. Mm -hmm. They're constantly putting it, even the public health officials. Oh my god! They're like constantly adjusting their mask. Like, if they're wearing a mask, oh my gosh! So like our local public health, like they give these talks, right? And they're in. It looks like they're in. They're indoors. I don't know if it's like completely vent. There's no fan going on. But anyways, they give these long talks. They'll stand there for you know ten minutes spitting away and then they'll leave the podium and then the next person will come up they take off their mask to talk and they start spitting away and then the next person come and every time they come to the podium they take off the mask um that's not public health yeah so um i guess my what i've learned this year is that public health is um it's subjective and that anybody can promote public health. You don't have to be a public health officer. You don't have to have a master's of public health. Anyone can promote public health. And sometimes well, that's great. No. And sometimes more so than others. You know, if you really care about people and you are up to date and you're diligent on the science and the research and what's going on, you can support public health in much more powerful ways than even, you know, a, a paid public health agent person well even just being courteous to each other like if we are using the shopping carts and stuff like you know i'll even help wipe it down too before i leave so Aww. just making sure not like i mean i don't know what i've touched in a grocery store and those things when we're doing some of those so i mean it's just you know just being aware of how people are feeling and being courteous still so you know suggest that we all stay vigilant we don't know what the variants, the mutations are going to look like. I mean, the fact that this thing alone had this 14 day incubation period, it is just something else. You know, it just made things so much harder to track to this day. If you get your test and you show up negative, it doesn't really mean anything because there's an incubation period. You got to go back and get retested to make sure that you really are negative until you go out and to the next party. You know, it's just, it's really hard.
It definitely is. I mean, the asymptomatic and trying to figure out who that is or the confusion with allergies. I know I've heard a lot of people thought it was just allergies, but then it's like, you know, who are you spreading it to at that point? So it is definitely been tricky and it's going to continue to be tricky for a while here. Yeah. And so, you know, I've seen pictures from like the Spanish flu era, black and white photos where people were wearing a mask. And I was just like, that looks so creepy. The mask is a creepy look. I don't like it. I hope I never have to wear a mask. And then here we are, though, like it's the reality now. It's going to be part of our we're all going to have masks on hand for for a while now. Yeah. Although I always travel with the mask anyway, I know I would get weird looks because what I always used to do that, too. And I think you see pictures throughout it's just like some of us would just already have put them on but I was doing it too because of the smell of the fuel good for you when take off um, for airplanes like there's a smell it's actual contamination diesel emissions so good for you that you've done that and actually leads me to think about you know you're a GIS person a lot of GIS is connected epidemiology and then we look at toxic release we look at health equity and thinking about the toxic air pollution in diverse communities, you know, poorer communities where there's more diversity. Um, I'm wondering if like kids fighting asthma will probably have to wear these masks more often just going outside or even in their homes if it's not well ventilated or well um, filtered. Oh, I know when we have all that exposure and that's why I think we have a need to make them much more comfortable and in depth and cooling. So if we have to wear them for longer occasions or with kids, like stuff that fits our faces a little bit better. I know like my brother's been struggling to find the masks for the kids when they go to school because they just keep falling down, even if they're a kid's mask. And I still, to this day, see people, you know, we got to remind them to cover their nose too. But I know when I see people, they, they sneeze into the, they remove the mask and then sneeze into the air. I was like, no. (laughs) You know, if you sneeze and you're going to have to wear it on your face, right? So I get it. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of the point of the mask. That's what I I tell people. The point of the mask is to keep it on. Obviously you want it sneezing in the mask. It's, it's, it's maybe gross, but you know, we're, I know. I don't know. Maybe you can put a tissue in there. I don't know. Well, we have a lot of room for innovation for anyone that's creating masks. There's a lot of room here. We should encourage designers to keep working on that. That needs to be done still. A lot of things that can still be um, accommodated, uh, imagined, iterated or whatever. I've seen some helmets going through a Kickstarter, air helmets and things or these other I mean, it's interesting to see what Kickstarter has for face shields and all these innovations. Um, We definitely are UV sticks that we can go scan stuff. I even tried buying, I haven't used it to test. I guess you could put your phone in there and keys. Oh, the UV thing. Yeah, I've seen that. You put it in a little shelf overnight. I guess they're saying like the sunlight helps with it. And then also just like the number of hours that it's just out in the air kind of kills the virus anyway over time. Yeah, we have the paper bag thing that we do. Everyone who has a stockpile over there of the seven days a week and the paper bags, so it's rotated. I know my family, what are we doing? Can't we just wear the, like, no, we'll just do that. Yeah, hopefully someone will write a manual on this stuff one day. I don't know. Assemble, assembly guide? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's something. That's something completely different. But I still think we can make them in the math. Fun. like there's some cool like thinner masks that you could put over too or just mm-hmm. 
you know, like I said, I had a smiley face on for fun or a poop emoji that was smiling. So just make people like laugh because you just show up. I mean, you know, that's how it was for a while. Yeah. And there's some really stylish ones. I've seen people with some cool, like they map. No, it was just, no, it's been a trial and error and sometimes spending some money and you're like, oh, well, this is a dud. What should we avoid when we are looking at masks? Um, What kinds of counterfeit concerns should we look out for? I mean, I know it was sad to hear, I think, what did they come out with in May, a report for the CDC that there was a lot of counterfeits and it wasn't necessarily the companies themselves, but people were building in counterfeit masks for the N95s or the KN95s. So it wasn't actually certified, but they were being sold. And I think healthcare providers were sold some of them too. So it's just trying to make sure it's specific. I mean, I actually would do research and like log in the to the CDC to see what was registered, if the company was registered, even for the KN95s. I got this one here because they claimed that it was kind of NIOSH approved or something. And I just kind of made sure they had like a ton of different, um, I don't know, sometimes the reviews are kind of fabricated for some reason. I just kind of, I have to do this combination, like trusting my intuition and the, the way it's written. And so I felt like this one was for whatever reason, trustworthy. So that's the one we really liked. And then looking to see if it's kind of NIOSH approved. And I mean, unfortunately we didn't have a whole lot that were made in this country. Um, we just weren't prepared. Well, and I think people were trying to confuse people. I even noticed them too with some of the cloth masks or the valves. You can tell when people, I think when they're being interviewed, that valve is, so they were going into detail on the CDC website, but then the foolproof test of like trying, I was testing water, yeah. um, the see-through or blowing out a candle, but I was trying to see if it held water or it started to leak. Um, with some of the packages because yeah they were made out of the country even though I bought them through a U.S. retailer Mm -hmm. it was still you could tell and so some of those had come up as counterfeit in the CDC for the numbers the lot numbers so there's a lot to look out for my gosh I I feel like hopefully I can trust what they're selling at Staples in terms of like the KN95s I bought a box of them there and I think now it's gotten better. They cracked down, but during that period of like March through May, like something was leaking through where they were not paying attention. In June, they had to like recall stuff. So I was like, are you serious? Because you're buying stuff from Amazon. And then I was like, I need to just stop because I don't trust anything that's, I mean, there's a lot. I was studying chemicals for cleaning products because trying to get some of the stuff, obviously bleach or soap works, but people were selling the price gouging like crazy. Yeah. So I was going to camping uh, uh, places online because they you have to wash your dishes and stuff and sterilize if you're camping. So they had like those tablets or just looking at chemical compounds to see what you could kind of create as a disinfectant while all the other stuff was sold out. Creative. Yeah, definitely. I wish oh. we could have talked earlier on too. Just oh, you know, we would have. I mean, it was yeah. like it was for a little while. It was like survival, right? Well, it would have just been so cool to have that on video capture, even if we're doing like YouTube videos, because 
all the compounds and like what I was doing because I was searching through the CDC for lists of companies or like thymol. Okay, that's for that, like seventh generation. So you're like piecing it together or what these other veterinarian supplies for wow. cleaning, but obviously yeah, whatever works like steramine I was like oh this is what people use for camping so those prepper communities although were really helpful in like some of that area well and they were sharing information I mean I guess I didn't know what to think but some of them were really down to earth and just helpful of like keeping water supplies and they'd already had toilet paper so you know I mean just learning even different manufacturers especially for Costco when they didn't have theirs like where Marathon was coming from and one of their supermarkets has this entire aisle of freeze-dried products. It kind of gave me the creeps, but I mean, they had everything. Like you could go to the moon. Oh, wow. That's the stuff like we were looking for now is like shelf-stable food, but like stuff that could you could help you survive. Yeah, they had all of that. And then we're talking about several years ago. And there, there's someone, someone's there to buy that. I mean, you saw the grocery stores and people were taking cans, anything shelf stable, like whatever they could get. Oh gosh, yeah, that was a scary time. That was a scary moment. I hope people prepare a little bit better now, although they, I saw it happen, start to happen again in the fall, the winter Mm -hmm. is the panic buying, but I'm hoping people kind of learned or even like Texas, what happened in Texas Mm -hmm. Um, that could just happen. I mean, we're here in California, we have rolling blackouts, like, you know, just start to at least have a little bit of stock. So you don't have that anxiety, especially if you can, I mean, if people can afford it in the chronic illness community, have a little bit there. So keep an eye on the expirations because I keep stuff and then it's already time to throw it out. Luckily, uh, toilet paper lasts. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that does last. But yeah, just keeping an eye on the, the deadlines and using them, um, the expiration dates. Yeah, we're going through a few of those things and stuff like that, like containers, like bone broth or those things right mm-hmm. now. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's just other things or some extra cleaning supplies that people can have. So because I, I know that even I was trying to get Instacarts to people who, who they weren't able to buy shampoo, like soap, like stuff, like or laundry detergent. So I remember that moment. Yeah. When we were just trying to get some food delivered over here, just, you know, being immunocompromised and not wanting to go out there. I remember those moments where you just couldn't get a delivery for anything. It was, yeah, it was for a little while. Oh, yeah. With the stuff to try to get a slot and like, what do you do? And you know, there's this phrase, I can't remember exactly how it goes in public health, but it's kind of like when you've done too much, that's actually a success because no one has noticed that there's a crisis because the crisis doesn't happen. In terms of prevention, it's always better to do too much. In terms of public health, being unnoticed is a good thing. We're doing a good job, you know, in terms of like disease spread and things like that. When you don't see a spread of a disease and you don't see the news, that's, that's public health often doing its job. It's so important too, and just to understand what that means in depth of what we're going through. It's definitely tough to like, you know, continue, but it was so important because I have like my parents here. So I'm like, okay, well, it was either going to like make sure to prevent COVID from coming in or be prepared if COVID came in. So yeah, or both be prepared either way. Um, What's our plan of protection? And um, I think we still have to stay vigilant right now in the coming months. Um, You know, having the vaccine is great, 
Um, CDC is saying, oh, you're immune, you can hang out without a mask around other vaccinated people. Um, but it's just hard to say all of that with all the variants. It's just hard to know all the details right now. We don't know what we don't know. We, and there's a lot that we, we still don't know. Well, I was going to ask you how you felt with the messaging because it's it's really confusing. I mean, I, I'm like, okay, why are they saying this? And then, you know, now with CDC is saying like impending doom and though they're worried, but I was like, wait, you just allowed all of this other stuff here. And I'm like, I get it. I know that people are very impatient, but. The CDC, is, it seems very conflicted. I think that they're on this tightrope between different communities and they want to say things that like one thing is like they don't want to scare people. On the other hand, they also want to encourage people to do things that are safe. But then at the same time, it's like they because they don't want to scare anybody and then they don't want to discourage too many people and they want to be on the right side of all the people, um, people with big wallets, all kinds of stuff that they wanna say things that people will like to hear, tightrope of what people wanna hear and what they can say to really relay the seriousness of this. They're, they're very, um, I've never seen a moment like this before, I could just say. Well, it's just, it's, it's definitely, I know people were really confused and I'm like, well, they didn't even bring back terminology of like, you know, your pod or your bubble. Maybe start there with like, oh, okay, meeting up again. You can hug people like slowly, like maybe, you know, talk to another household to see what they've been doing. So it's not like, a, it felt like a free for all, like take off your it mask. Just went, it went from, yeah, it went from shut down to like, hey, let's reopen everything. Um, and that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. okay. The 14-day incubation period and um, just knowing that when we start relaxing everything, everything's going to look fine for about two weeks. And that's just that we already know that that's the nature of the, the virus. And so when they like the second things start looking better, they reopen everything. But you've got to, you know, wait two to four weeks before you see actually what is actually happening under the surface. It's been, it's been a challenge, you know, seeing all the restaurants already reopening when we know documented evidence that there are these um, new shutdowns and new phases that are happening of uh, shutdowns in Europe. And we know that that kind of heads over here as a pattern. And to reopen and start relaxing everything again, it's, it's almost like they just want to appease people for now um, maybe knowing that it's going to happen again, maybe they just want to reopen so people are happy for a little while, even though they might be spreading it a little more and then like kind of just like probably having to shut it down again soon. Which I know is hard. It's hard for businesses. It's hard for people to be on their own. Yeah, if I, you know, it was in a, a different circumstance, like if I was in my 20s and I was single and I could see how this would really, you know, this would really suck, right? But at the same time, it's like, it's like, do you want to, you want to survive through this? <laughs> do you want your family to survive through this? Do you want your grandma to survive through this? Oh, I know. Well, I mean, I'm fascinated by the virus itself because it's so sneaky in this way. And then it's just like, you see these variants. I'm like, what is it up to? Mm -hmm. You know, what's going to happen? So, yeah. but at the same, it's just like, we have to respect what this is doing and then try to like, you know, work together to maneuver around it and hopefully get out of this soon. Yeah, so there's just so many different perspectives and I can't, I, I stopped kind of finger pointing because I know people are in these different situations, 
it's just me irritating, like something that I'm irritated about myself. Who knows? <laughs> well, it's and I kind of mentioned this like way early on at the beginning, um, in early in in the podcast, um, where it's just like I sense that this is going to get worse, and I sense that people aren't really going to understand this until it happens to them. It's so hard with it about people you care about too. So yeah, you're like just wait, just be patient, please. You right? Yeah. Just. Yeah, I mean, we talked in um, one of the episodes with New Zealand, and it's so simple. It really is like for one month, people just really like just shut things because everything seems to run in patterns of two weeks, 14 days, you know, just stay indoors just for one entire month as a as a national effort, and then like kind of controlling traffic, you know, um, um, that fixed message, and then that dedication to just one month. Yeah, I mean, we have the answers. um, But and people want to do what they want to do. So, and just this connection to other human beings and who you might interact with. And yeah, it's super hard because I see it on both spectrums of like philosophies and thinking where on one hand, they're like, I trust God. So I'm going to do what I want to do and live my life. And then on the other side of the spectrum, the universe is doing what it's intended to do. You know, like you're hearing on both sides, like, it is what it is you know so I'm just hearing it on these two ends of the spectrum at the same time it's like they want it to they want to see what happens some people like chaos and some people want to see what unfolds I was hoping though that even the cases would rise we would not see hospitalizations go up but we're starting to see that in some of the states so those were like the numbers I was trying to gauge but unfortunately we're seeing those hospitalizations go up too in some of those states as well. And I was like, no, unfortunately, that's why I don't have a ton of hope right now. I'm excited that some of us have the vaccine. We can find out, we know for sure about six months of immunity, but after that, we don't know variants. We don't know. And the fact that we still have a lot of people that are infected, it just almost, it's at risk of making everything we've done obsolete, you know? Yeah, and that's tough to talk about, I'm sure, <laughs> with other people that like, we'll find out what we will see. There's there's no way to say in 2022, everything's going to be okay. I know we have to really pay attention to the details of last year to understand, like you said, it's, it's this, we see these patterns come up and like, what are we paying attention to? How are we like, there's always these patterns and notice them. But I don't think people like this wearing masks and all this stuff. They just want to be... I, we opened up baseball, so let's go get baseball. Right. I and mean, everybody has don't we wish? Don't we all wish? You know, everything could be just like it was before. I mean, we all do. Yeah. The sports, we have to have the sports open with everybody in the stands and all the partying that was happening and spring break. So I was like, oh, we all wish this this whole two years ago has not happened. But what can we learn from it? How can we act upon it so this doesn't happen again? And I was hoping the leaders would really just do that, like help us understand and help us learn from it better without, I mean, I know people are always going to say you're fear mongering and that stuff, but there's a, I'm sure there's a way to educate people in a different sense. I still remember the moment, like the news here in San Diego had like the first cases they identified and how our public health agencies were like, oh, but there's no evidence of community spread. How can you say that? Um, evidence of community spread will happen two weeks from now. I mean, just the fact that you found these cases out in the environment, these are just the two that are the few that emerged after like two weeks of incubation. You don't know what's going on right now to this day, like where it's spreading. 
and for them to just tell everyone, oh, don't worry, there's no evidence of community spread. I'm, I'm just yeah. really disappointed. Just, I, I'm completely like. It's interesting. I watched that John Campbell in UK with, he cracks me up because he's so frustrated with our genomic sequencing database over here. Mm -hmm. He's like, they have to step it up, but he just gets so frustrated with the US and all the displays of us going out. Um, but it, it's so unique seeing how different countries are managing and then going through the information and catching the variants. And it, it's really fascinating how they turned out all this stuff. Yeah, that's kind of what the podcast is about too, like the public policy, public health policy and culture, hearing how different countries culturally and, and, and socially have managed this in so many different ways. It's really interesting, like, you know, if you look at parts of Europe that kind of the, there's like a more relaxed attitude just to life in general. So when the pandemic came, um, what I'm hearing from people that I've interviewed is that, you know, oh, don't worry about it, kind of, it's going to be okay. Um, and that's just kind of culturally what, what the belief was, not taking it too seriously. Likewise, here in the United States, similarly, like people just don't take it seriously, even our own officials. And then places like New Zealand or Australia and Asia, they're like, oh no, we're shutting this down now. You know, and it's just really interesting, the differences in even cultural approach to what's happening. Oh yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, even just talking to... Carrie in Taiwan, she's an advocate over there. I mean, just learning and just seeing what Taiwan did early on and how they like go through it and where they're at. So yeah, it's amazing. Well, thank you for nerding out with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, totally. We'll to do find it again. people to do that with. I'll just say thank you very much for joining us for this episode. And um, I look forward to working with you more in the future. And thank you so much for sharing your in-depth perspectives and knowledge about PPE. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great. I, I nerd out on all of this. So I appreciate being able to share with you. How can people uh, reach out and learn more about who you are, what, you've, what you're working on? Well, on Instagram, there's two accounts. So the support fibromyalgia. Um, so that's the organization. And then I'm also at biohack fibro. Uh, that's my health coaching, but also sort of the science-y side, which I need to get better at sharing with everyone. All right. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much.